Hello, Boomeringers. This is Kyle Copeland, billionaire hedge fund manager. Uh, welcome to season two of Revolving Door Podcast. This season, we um, have some special guests lined up for you. Uh, episode one, we have Cody Thompson of the podcast That Time Forgot. Um, they are an up and coming podcast on uh, movies, TV, and pop culture. Please go check them out. You can find them on iTunes and Stitcher. Listen, subscribe. Join the fan club, the mailing list, get a tattoo, all that fun stuff. Show your devotion to the podcast The Time Forgot. Uh, so, um, without further ado, here is episode one of season two. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Kyle Copeland's Revolving Door, the variety podcast where an ever-changing cast of the same hosts talk about different subjects that they have opinions about and laugh too much at their own jokes. Each insert frequency here, we cover a specific topic inadequately. I guarantee that you'll wind up where you started and something will be different. Here's your host, Dick Grayson. With me today... Cody Thompson. Is a, is a guest star, guest host, Cody Thompson... From the podcast that Tom forgot. Yes. Also, we have Matthew Locke. Hello. Thank you for joining us, Matthew. You can mm-hmm. call me Matt Locke. <clears throat> oh, Matt Locke. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Do you wear a white suit? Sometimes, occasionally. It makes the old ladies swoon. Uh, and his brother, John Locke. Hello. Hey, hey, Hola. hey. How are you doing today, John? Have you discovered any any new information you share with us? Um, no, just uh, new and daring ideas. No, just uh, just another day in paradise. <laughs> the the island of paradise. Yeah, the island. <laughs> another day with the on the swan. <laughs> <laughs> um. So today we we wanted to talk a little bit about the justice system, which is a little bit of a burr that's been sticking in my crawl for for some time. Um, you know, growing up, we're always given to believe that justice is blind, and justice means that retribution is served against people who have transgressed the laws and mores of the society, and that it is fair and bound by the laws that we can read you know you can you could go go to a document somewhere and read a law and say that this would be um, you know like do not murder people what if you murder people there is a retribute there's retribution for it you know that kind of thing um, and that between two people it should be equal and, and designated by those laws and nothing else but at some point in my adult life I realized that people also evaluate lawyers um, based on how much they cost. And it occurred to me that in a, in a society where you can pay for a better lawyer, that you can pay for more justice, and for some reason that seems a little bit fucked up. Well, does the, the, the price of the lawyer dictate the, his skill level, or does the skill level dictate his price? Either way, it still seems messed up, right? Like that means you're you're not getting um, 
you're, you're not getting the same level of justice because someone else has a better skill level that someone that um, you would be if you had more money. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's really true. I've I've got a lot of personal connection to this myself. Um, I was actually a criminal justice major in college, and um, a lot of that, a lot of the classes were not what I expected it to be. Uh, you know, upon signing up for classes, wanting to be criminal justice, wanted to go into law school, did not want to be a cop. Mm -hmm. Apparently, that's all you can do with a CJ degree is be a cop, which is great, but that's not what I wanted to do. Um, and yeah, and I actually worked in a 911 center after graduating from college, which was also a great experience. But you kind of got to see the law enforcement side up close and personal, obviously, and uh, it was really disheartening. I've also had experiences with family court judges um, and attorneys, and you're exactly right. I mean, it's sad because, as you mentioned, justice is not blind. It's based on... Uh, who you can get and who is on your side and who you know as with everything is yeah i guess yeah um gosh i i think my mind's going too quickly because it, it really got me thinking about um police state uh, dystopian futures like 1984 where everybody you everything could be viewed and when you talk about having somebody on your side it kind of leans towards that in my mind that that um it's not necessarily whether or not someone's telling the truth as to whether or not they want to tell the truth for you. Mm -hmm. um, and the only way to counteract that would be to have, have constant surveillance that could bring up the footage and show, Oh yeah, I know that person's lying. This did happen. I've always thought it was interesting that like lawyers, if you go and <clears throat> you could have been guilty of something, but there's lawyers out there that knowing you're guilty of a crime will do their best to prove you're innocent mm. of the crime. So it's like, I couldn't, I couldn't do that myself. Right. Something that I've really noticed a lot in my experience is the kind of the goal in court, in criminal court especially, is not to prove, as you mentioned, not to prove the truth, but to, you know, prove beyond a reasonable doubt that something could have happened or may have happened and you can really twist that once you get into the weeds of it you know you can just ignore certain things you you know you i know a tv court is not real court but you can read court, real court transcripts and see it on tv all the time where they where the lawyer will say something at whoever's on the stand at the time purposefully knowing he shouldn't say that or it's against the rules as they would say and the judge is like you know jury will jury will not or jury will disregard, disregard. like no yeah. yeah technically yeah but you you said it you heard it yeah <laughs> you heard it, right it's really Quickly, everyone forget that yeah. yeah not like you can have the little men in black erase your memory and you know <laughs> mm-hmm um which is something that always kind of confused me too. Like, if you're going to tell the court to disregard something, shouldn't there be a higher punishment for the person who, like, the lawyer who caused them to have to have to disregard something? Like, like that just doesn't make sense to me. Like, it's like you say, they're like you guys say, they're not going to forget it. There's no, there's no little silver tube that someone's going to press and make you forget that. It's going to influence your decision. Right. Um. And it's just another example of people not following the daggum rules, you know? Um, it's, well, it's kind of like, 
I was, you know, actually this 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 brings up something else I was just thinking about um, today. I was listening to um, one of the episodes of Fresh Air, which mm. is one of my, my favorite podcasts. Terry one. Terry Gross, one of. <laughs> there's room for many, um, but Terry Gross's voice is is for some reason her her nervous little voice is is one of the most like heartwarming things in my life. Um, aside, aside from my loved ones, you know, my fiance, <laughs> my friends, uh, but you guys can't be with him, be with me every day, and sometimes Terry Gross is there for me. Um, <laughs> Terry Gross is think, on demand. That's right, and I, I think about her sitting in a in a tiny dark room by herself, talking <laughs> to people, and Terry Gross was um, interviewing uh, two men who had, um, who had written a book. No, no. I'm sorry, that was actually the last one. Basically, the, the concept was Robert Mueller, the Trump investigation, or what, the Russia investigation. Mm-hmm. Um, but the interesting thing to me was the way Donald Trump has interacted with it. Um, how there's talk of what would happen if Robert Mueller was actually fired, if somebody managed to, if Trump fired him directly or he had somebody, somebody fire him. You know, and somehow that that also seems like that's just beyond me. That if you yourself are subject to this investigation, you know, if people like Paul Manafort and um, who else who else had they um, brought up? Um, gosh, not Paul. Man- it was Paul Manafort and. There's somebody else that Mueller has um, has brought charges against. Do you remember? Do either one of you guys remember who it is? Um, Papadopoulos. Papadopoulos. Thank you. I was like, it's some Greek name. Um, That's not a real name. I, I know, right? <laughs> um, which look into Paul Manafort's history. That's a pretty wild, wild ride. But anyway, um, people that actively worked on his campaign have been literally uh, charged. You know, with with I don't know, it's directly collusion. Nefarious, things. yeah, nefarious schemes. <laughs> you know, um, I hope it says that on the paper. It better. <laughs> um, and and still, people are talking about how Donald Trump, who who by all accounts, because people associated with him have been involved in this investigation, subject this investigation, when they talk about how, oh yeah, he could fire Mueller, like and put somebody in that's favorable to Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. That's so messed up. There's no justice in that. Then, like, if Nixon would have fired the people that was bringing him up on charges for Watergate and he, stuff, didn't he try to? I, I don't. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Nixon tried to. Yeah. Okay? Um. The is it Saturday Night Massacre? Is that what it was referred to? Might be getting uh, the day of the week wrong. Uh, where he started firing everybody at Watergate that was like involved in the investigation um, process. But yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. Like. You would think that there's some sort of standard. Um, the Jim Comey thing was sketchy, where he was just suddenly fired Comey out of mm-hmm. nowhere, and we were like, "Man, that that shouldn't that's happen. That sounds there's something wrong with that." Yeah. And then now, I mean, I didn't think that that would even be possible to fire <laughs> Mueller, but now they're like, "Yeah, I mean, maybe technically he might be able to." And you're just like, "What's the standard?" <laughs> well, on top of all that, on on top of all that, um, everything that the Trump White House has put out is trying to paint Mueller as partisan, and 
his history shows that he's anything but. He was appointed by George freaking Bush, mm-hmm. okay, before 9-11. And it was through 9-11, it was literally the reason that Robert Mueller was appointed, supposedly, was because he was he was somewhat familiar with computers and he they needed an overhaul in the FBI with computers. Like, that was... It wasn't the only reason. Obviously, he had a history of of uh, being reliable. He proved himself in jobs, but that was one of the main reasons. Um, so he was going to overhaul the computer systems, which at the time apparently were still using floppy disks oh, back God. in two thousand one. Um, mainly because they did not have a secure line to transmit information. So if you couldn't if you couldn't securely transmit um, data that couldn't be spoken from point A to point B then the most secure way to do it would be to, to copy onto to whatever drive you could get, apparently a floppy disk in this case, and fly it to the location you needed to share the data to. Like, wow. li- literally, that's how they shared the information. The logistics uh, of that, that must have been fun. Yeah, for real. That's how they shared the info on, on the suspects for 9-11. Wow. Yeah. Um, and so this is that's how this guy got, got into that position. But then, then he, from that, that point on... Um, is kept on. Let's see. He had served. Kind of think of it. He had served under H.W. Uh, Bush, uh, Clinton, and then I think whoever was in, whoever was before who? George H.W. Yeah, but who Bill served Clinton? under Mueller? Well, I thought you said Bush Jr. appointed him. Yeah, as as the FBI. Oh, but, I got you. Um, he had been in other capacities. Anyway, sorry, I'm getting, I'm, I'm getting kind of disjointed here. Point is, um, he had a long history of, of being reliable and impartial. And in fact, at at one point, um, when the attorney general had been had to go under for a procedure, he he appointed um, Jim, James Comey at the time, who was his his deputy, I guess, uh, to be the acting attorney general. Um, and there was a there was a um, some sort of surveillance program that he he realized as he looked over it was a little bit unconstitutional that they were going to put in place while the guy was under. He said, "No, we can't do this." And they tried to get to the hospital to talk to the actual attorney general. And um, the attorney general's wife had called uh, Comey to let him know. And Comey got up with Mueller, head of the FBI at the time, and said, "Hey, listen, we need your, I need your FBI agents to make sure they don't push me out of that room because they're going to try to, um, you know, get to him while he's sedated and not not in his right mind, and have him have him say to approve this surveillance right. plan." Um, and they they all got over there. The guy, the acting, uh, the attorney general said, "You need to ask, you know, like Comey is is the one that's." Uh, uh, the attorney general right now, you need to go whatever, whatever he says. And after that event, um, Mueller and Comey uh, both were going to tender their resignations to Bush. Um, but Bush said, you know, Bush caved and said, you know, whatever, you know, if it, at the time, if his understanding, Bush's understanding was, was that if Robert Mueller decided that he did not want to work with the Bush presidency, that it would be such a, a big uh, strike against Bush's image mm-hmm. that Bush didn't figure he could get re- reelected. And so fast forward now to Donald Trump, a 
Republican. <laughs> um, saying he can't, saying that he might, he doesn't trust Mueller, and Mueller is by, is, is partisan. Um, when this guy was ready to disassociate himself with the very party that appointed him um, right. to, to avoid any semblance of going against the Constitution, it doesn't make any sense. Unless you believe that, that the Republican Party has, has made their way to where they are now by, I wouldn't necessarily Machiave- say Machiavellian tactics, but uh, tactics that are mainly focused on staying in power. You know, and only that. I mean, from from the Southern strategy in the time of Nixon, where they literally tried to, to prey on Southern voters by making them, making the party seem sympathetic to racism, it's it's just gone downhill, you know? And it really beg, begs the question of if this party has had a place of power in the country as many times as it has since Nixon, um, you know, I can't even remember, I can't remember how many presidents, but there there have been plenty of presidents, Reagan, um, the Bushes, you know, um, Trump now, if they've been in, in power, like what laws have been changed to favor them other than gerrymandering um, that have once again been going against any semblance of fairness and justice that we, we would have in our mind. Yeah. And I mean, you can relate this to a lot of things. Um, I mean, you can talk about the um, incarceration of African-Americans, the, the crazy um, amount of African-Americans that are incarcerated compared to yeah. other races for crimes uh, such as minor drug traffic or minor drug possession, that sort of thing. Um, and I don't know. You're right. It doesn't seem – it seems like it's moved on from actually trying to protect people and help rehabilitate people, and now it's just almost like a – I mean, it is a means of control. Um, mm-hmm. What's scary when you study prison history, um, there's the kind of the ongoing debate is, you know, are we punishing people? Are we, well, there's kind of three, like, are we punishing offenders? Are we keeping the public safe by keeping the, the offenders separate? Or are we rehabilitating people to try to make them productive members of society? And that's hopefully, kind of hopefully all of them. Right, right, but right. It, it's <laughs> I I wouldn't say that we're that we're focused on rehabilitation whatsoever. I don't in of course now my only experience has been with jails. I don't know much about prisons. Um but you know, people I'll put it to you this way, um I think it's is it Sweden that has the the prison that's um so forward, did you have you I guys heard I've about heard this? this? There was like recently there was an article about it that um, there are no walls in the prison. You know the the only the main uh, building is like an old converted uh, church or something like that. Oh wow! It looks it looks very idyllic, you know. And inside they have um, uh, employment programs uh, with very fair pay, and um, you know it's. Um, but I don't think that would work here. I mean, there's already a machine here, and that'd be like such a. <clears throat> yeah. People are different here, so. 
People are different well, here. Oh. On a, a weird side note to that is that um, obviously not maximum security, but like um, in Montgomery, Alabama, there's Maxwell Air Force Base, and there's a, actually a federal prison mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. like that. So, so like you're talking about Nixon. I think somebody who's involved in Watergate, um, like they served time there. Anyway. I just know this because uh, being on that base, those prisoners, like, they actually drive around the base and do yard work, and, like, some are have a guard with them, and some are literally, like, just have to report back, you know, like, they, I mean, they obviously can't get off the base or anything, you know, and they have right. this set uniforms, but it's, it's a lot, it's not, I don't know, it's sort of different, because it's like, you know they're prisoners from the uniform they're wearing, but they're, they're sort of in groups out there by themselves or whatever. Yeah, and that's I, kind of... I, I don't know. Don't quote me on that. I don't know that that's exactly how it is, but it's it's not like chain, you know, chain link or whatever, you know, or barbed wire and all that. Yeah, well, that kind of goes back to like kind of relates it all together, John, because, um, you know, like we were mentioning before, the the political crimes that often hurt way more people just you know exponentially greater number of people than yeah. a small crime the, a lot of times their you know punishment if you can call it that is nowhere near the same it's yeah much softer oh. as what a yeah. small like, like petty crime punishment would be that no joke there um all right, guys, we're going to take a break real quick, and when we come back, more justice. Okay, guys, we're back. Um, during the break, John Locke uh, got on the wrong side of Kyle Copeland, and he was sucked into the void, never to return. Praise Kyle. Nice knowing you. Praise Kyle. Praise Kyle. So returning to the topic of, of white-collar crime versus um, minor drug possession charges, um, and really... The enslavement, uh, well, the re-enslavement of, of, of black America, like that's, yeah, that's that is, in the first place, there's a debate in the country about whether or not marijuana is even a bad thing. Many 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 um, states have already passed legalization laws, and still, in Alabama at least, I mean. You can be you can be arrested for that that stuff like it, which is kind of strange. Oh, it's as taboo now as it was twenty years ago here yeah. where we live. Yeah, yeah, and 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 um, to be arrested for it at all like I I don't even know like what the what the charges are for possession, but um, the fact that there are charges for possession is crazy. Um, but I think more than that, I mean we're we're probably even talking about harder drugs. Um, cocaine, know, cocaine, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and what? Here's 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 the problem when you try to tell somebody, good old Southern Billy Bob, you know, <laughs> why this is targeting um, white people specifically, is because he'll he'll say, well, no, they're just they're 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 just breaking the law, you know, and that's it. And that is literally the approach that every person. Every conservative, I, traditional conservative I've ever talked to, has is like that's as far as it goes. They're breaking the law. Yeah. Congratulations, you pointed out the problem. You have not looked at how you fix fix and incentivize um, the problem of breaking the law and incentivize not breaking the law. Um, 
punishment only goes so far. In fact, Dan, uh, Dan Carlin has an episode of Hardcore History out talking about um, executions over the centuries and, and how originally they were in place as a concept to be a deterrent to other people um, breaking law as well. You know, like you, you see that this, this bad thing happened to a guy who you know, murdered somebody, you know, he's torn apart, his skin is peeled off by hot tongs. It makes you not want to do it, supposedly. And his, that, the episode he, he goes through is really interesting because eventually it becomes a religious right, you know, where, where you get, um, absolution through the pain that's caused to you, which is, which is really, really crazy in the first place to think about Christians causing pain to other people in a public place, uh, as a way of absolving, the person of sin because it's kind of contrary to the whole foundation of Christianity in Christ taking on the sin. In like Puritan times, that was like status quo. Yeah. Well, um, you know, hair shirts and stylites were a thing. So <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, you're right. It, I know I've mentioned this on the podcast a few times, but, um, the, the book by Tolstoy, the kingdom of God is within you really opened my eyes to, how pacifism is like a, a fundamental um, aspect of Christianity and that's debatable that's a whole separate topic but it makes me think a lot about the marriage of quote unquote justice and mercy like mm-hmm. people are really focused on getting revenge or making sure that the person that did them wrong gets punished oftentimes the punishment far exceeding the crime that was committed um, but even even so like even if you would say well maybe that punishment is considered just or maybe it's just the right amount of punishment for a crime what is the satisfaction that we as a species get of if we are wronged watching the person that wronged us receive some sort of punishment torment like what what kind of why does that give us joy and i mean i admit i've felt that before often i think we all have we're like man Mm -hmm. that person did me wrong they deserve to be in pain like what not even someone doing you wrong but the idea of someone getting away with it no abusing or doing someone else wrong you Mm -hmm. could feel rage and wish like like in the like circumstances like rape or something like that i mean I've been sitting around with people and they'll be like, oh, they should just take that person out and let people stone them or whatever. Yeah, yeah. lynch mobs. Uh, that they're saying that, it, you know, the the punishment they're getting is... is Not good enough. Not good enough anyway. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, and... Hmm. See, okay. So, so this is also a thing. And I've... I'm trying to... I've had this this running concept in my head that I'm trying to fit into place. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, that in some ways, the prevalence of Christianity in America is what's causing a lot of the problems we're having. This kind of ties into it. One of the things is, is the lack of focus on um, trying to fix climate change, you know, trying to reduce our carbon footprint. Mm-hmm. Because... You ask somebody, that ties into creationism and stuff. Well, you ask anybody, and they'll joke, "Oh, well, you know, like, uh, you know, the next generation will figure it out." And I'm like, 
right what do you mean well well you know even if they don't figure it out you know whatever it's not the end of the world like but no it is (laughs) (coughs) um but what if if they're like well so what god's gonna create a new world you know like I've, i've had this conversation with people that we we know yeah um um and it's it's baffling to me because even in Christianity, the whole purpose of Adam to, was to be a caretaker of the earth. Um, and if we are supposedly Adam's children, you know, what does that mean for us? Humankind. If, humankind, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, which, you know, I'm not, I'm not that literal about Genesis myself. Um, I mean, any oral history is gonna is gonna focus on easily remembered themes and not literal hardcore facts. Right. But you know, whatever. Point is, um, t- um, to tie it back, like they, the only thing I can see somebody saying that death is not an ultimate punishment, that torture is a punishment more worth it like oh you know they raped that person they should have this done to them mm-hmm. is is if they believe this person will die and have a afterlife so for them you know you need to get them now because nobody can we can't do anything about it once they're dead you know um I, that's the only thing i could figure because for me like that would only enforce wanting like lethal injection um which also is contrary once again to to the tenets of Christianity because then there's no repentance. Like right. I don't. It's it's a convoluted thing. It is. is it's, what it, it's quite a paradox because um, you can hear people talk about not rewarding evil for evil, um, but then you mention and this this comes up a lot when I had debates with friends or you know, acquaintances on social media, which. I would never recommend doing. I have since stopped. Yeah. <laughs> about I, like that force about it. Yeah. Yeah. About like gun control. You're like, okay, so your argument, you're they, it's, you try to find line between. Yes, I I believe in this as, and this is speaking specifically for Christians, um, mm-hmm. where like I I believe that Jesus said yes, love your love your enemies. I I believe Jesus, you know, told people to forgive no matter what, but it always goes back to this but this but we're in a fallen world we can't we can't be expected to live up to what jesus said well okay then that discounts everything you believe in that should you should have no no sort of convictions then if that's how you feel like yes i believe that he said that i should feel this way but i mean but really who could actually do that you know i mean why try because no one can do that it's it's funny how people try to rationalize their faith with their sense of justice and sometimes for me it just doesn't make sense yeah um it um because i mean eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth is is not not jesus at all it's he's turned the other cheek and forgiveness and and all that stuff so um i'm trying to think if there's anything else i wanted to say about justice system though um started out what were we talking about we're talking about oh hangings yeah uh, before you got this hangings, Dan Carlin. Um, Did you want to relate like your your personal story or personal story? Well, you said that it's been just weighing on your mind lately. I didn't know if you had like. Oh, oh, no! I mean, the 
the thing that's been weighing on my mind is is that um, there's a dichotomy in America in general. Like there's just it. Hell, I was listening to in a, another episode of Fresh Air today. Um, oh, that was that was talking about this. That um, there's there are, in terms of democracies, there were actually two. Um, I think it was Yale or Harvard professors that wrote a book. Um, and they were talking about how there are different democracies and like the ideal democracy is where you acknowledge both sides are both working in what they believe to be the best interest of the democracy mm. and you disagree with them, but you disagree with them um, politely. You know, you, you acknowledge that these are people on the other side of the aisle that maybe don't want to spend as much money as you, or maybe don't believe that the money you want to spend is worth the, worth the time or the values that you have are the same. But they also believe that you are truly, a decent person working towards a good goal mm-hmm. mind. They just disagree with the, the, whether or not the goal is good. Um, and then there is, um, the kind of thing that there's, they list about three, but what we have mm-hmm. it's one where you can't, number one, you can't really be sure that everybody is actually working towards a democratic goal as so much as a, as the goal of the party. And as well, they do not extend these, these, uh, that consideration to other people. They just they just say, well, you know what, we're going to do whatever we want to, so that we can get we can get what we want. Because whenever you get into power, you're going to do the same thing. Right. Like, like, uh, like. No, I'm not. Wait, was it? It's like uh, like kids in a schoolyard, like like, um, where it's like they call you call somebody a name. It's like, um, um, then what are you? Or something. What what is that? I, I, I'm, I, I can almost. I, I know you are, but what am I? I know you are, but what am I? I know you are, but what am I? Like that whole like just nah, 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 nah. Yeah. that bullshit. Um, but but why is it that we seem to have such an issue of it where these where our politics take these huge uh, diversions, um, you know, gerrymandering and changing laws and. To the point of like blocking the Supreme Court nomination for President Obama that, that was clearly within his right. Like that's yeah. literally any other president would would do any other year, any other any other presidency they would have allowed it. Yeah. Why, why is it that immediately after electing the first black president we elect Donald Trump? You know why is it that there's such backlash and such a tilt of the of the pendulum? That's know? what I was about to say. It's a pendulum every election. Mm-hmm. Forever, turn. You know, it's it's the, like the William Butler Yeats poem, turning and turning and widening guy. Or the I don't like that. The so thunder. the opposite must be better every yeah. time. Yeah. Um. And it's constantly a total war, but it's like you try to. I don't tell people around here that that I usually vote Democrat. Mm-hmm. I don't because it's. I feel like it will hurt my business. <laughs> yeah, no, you're exactly right. I, I see that. I think, like you mentioned, it's it's not about people thinking that um, the other side has the best interests at heart. It's all about agenda now. And I'm like you. I mean, I lean Democrat. Um, but it's not like now when you argue politics or or relating it back to the criminal justice system, it's all about well you believe this because 
you are part of the liberal agenda. You're part of, you're trying to, what, whatever, like pick, yeah. pick your, your argument. Like you don't actually care about this. You don't actually care about reform. You're just trying to get drug dealers back on the street because you want people to die. And you're like, no, that's stupid. That's a stupid argument. But you can't seem to have a civil discussion about or debate about things that matter in criminal justice because you're right, everything's politicized to the point where you don't really feel this way. This is, you're just trying to push the agenda and this is how to do it. And I mean, it, Democrats it, do that to Republicans too, I'm sure. Oh but, yeah, no, 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 it's on both sides. Well, people do it to their own people too. Like, right, exactly. Oh, yeah. if, you're, if you're not, it's all or nothing on to some people. Yeah, yeah. I, that's the thing is like I say, I, I'm always careful to say I'm, I usually vote Democrat because I, yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't like, I don't like affiliating myself with the party because I I understand that there are things that the parties will do that I do not approve of. Mm-hmm. There are powers that that Obama took on uh, in office, like um, I was trying to think. Dan Carlin was talking about some of them with um, some of them with the drone strikes yeah. and and that that. Uh, you know, Republicans at the time were like, no, no, a president shouldn't have that power. And, I mean, at the same time, they weren't wrong. But if, if it was Donald Trump taking that power, they wouldn't say say that, you right, know. Right. Uh, because it's, and his, at the time, his point was, is, is you think it's well and good when it, your guy is the guy in charge. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Because you're not thinking anymore about a principle, about a rule, about a law. It's about whether or not your guy's in charge. And it's... Um, you're saying that about both sides, right? Huh? You're saying that about both sides. I am saying about yeah. that, that about both sides. <clears throat> I will I will re, I will will say, though, that since I got on, onto my own and started having to support myself and and since I started to, to um, find out that I had more friends or since I started to have more friends who were part of minority groups of minority sexual orientations, gender um, identities, mm-hmm. uh, races. Since I started having to pay my own health insurance, started pay my own bills, um, it, like it, it, <laughs> it's really hard for me not to side with the people who are saying, "Hey, I recognize that not everybody has money." <laughs> and not everybody can easily gain money quickly and that sometimes you go to college thinking you're going to do one thing and you find out that's not the thing you're actually going to do yeah, and you yeah. you went to college because people continuously told it's you it's a broken system yeah um and and it's hard for me not to side for those people even even though i recognize they are still politicians they are not infallible I'm going to side with the person who says that at least says they believe in helping people who do not have health care, who are denied health care because they they have pre-existing conditions or because they don't make enough money, who consider all these, you know, stable, good housing, um, good health care, food to be luxuries and not human rights. Like, that's... yeah. Just, I don't see Republicans doing that. Republicans mainly appeal to white middle class and an upper, uh, upper like lower class, I guess you could say, like lower, lower middle class, lower middle class, um, 
And honestly, I mean, with the Koch brothers and Mike Pence, the definitely the upper class too, the upper the one percent. Um, but it's it's only people who either are already at that position or believe that the system is set up in such a way to allow them to move to that position who side with the Republicans. You don't find a lot of black people in in the Republican Party. Or Hispanic or or Hispanic. Well, I, I don't know that necessarily Asian, um, you know, roll roll the clock back in the party, the conservative party, not necessarily the Republican Party, because the conservative the conservative party has changed. I think at one right. time, the, the, anyway, the, the, there was a name change. Does not favor Irish people at one point in time. John F. Kennedy does. I think actually that, that time it was the Republican Party because he ran as a Democrat. Um, and it's just like, who are we going to hate this week? You know? Yeah. Who's go ahead. Oh no, I agree. I was like trying to tie that back to the, the justice system. Like you mentioned something about the argument of why isn't this considered a, a basic human right? I think that that kind of is what gets me about the justice system is that we're not looking at these people as humans. A lot of time we're looking at an action that they have taken and, saying that they they deserve for their whole life to be ruined or uprooted their family's lives to be ruined uh, because of this decision they made um and we were looking at at from that perspective and from a perspective of wanting vengeance and less from a human right i mean prison conditions are despicable um it's it's sad the way that the justice system works and you're right it favors the wealthy when you can get a better attorney than some than a state appointed attorney because you can't you know you're not even um, lower class I mean middle class I mean I'm considered middle class and I I don't have money to spare for an attorney you know yeah um, like uh, you're right it's it's more of a you're not looking at it from or, or we as a system we're not looking at cases from the perspective of um, this is what a basic human deserves it's it's all a game well and you know at some point you've got to ask yourself is is what we're doing effective is it accomplishing the task we want it to accomplish um executions at one point around the enlightenment period those rulers began to ask themselves because finally we stopped focusing on religious motives and we started asking the question of of you know uh, real gains are these public executions deterring crime can we literally say in the society that we that has public executions that crime is less than those that don't and they begin to see that uh, no not really you know not right. not really there's not a huge difference well, um, desperate people like i was thinking about like a long time ago like like in biblical days and stuff they would they would like kill people for main. like stealing and yeah, stuff, right. so so if if it would have worked, that's like the most extreme thing for such a small crime. If that if right. that was true, there would be no more people stealing stuff. Exactly, right. but you still had the executions. Um, and so the question is, are we deterring crime? Right. Is um, you know, is is welfare deterring? Uh, or, um, sorry, is 
that that doesn't fit this logic this logic statement I was about to say. My 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 point my next point was people talk about welfare and how people abuse the welfare system. Mm-hmm. And my question to them is always, why does it seem more profitable for that person to stay at home and draw a check and live in the housing projects? You've seen the housing projects. They look like a place you'd want to live. Right. The check they're making is not anything near what they would be making if they could work. Exactly. And you've got to ask yourself, why is it that this seems more profitable to these people than going out and working? Is it because they can't they can't work a job that pays them enough? Is it because they don't believe that there is any upper mobility for themselves? Um, and I'll tell you, for a lot of a lot of uh, Black Americans, that's the case. That's consistently uh, the the conversation I have. Um, I was talking to a guy, a cable installer in, in Huntsville the other day, and we literally went off on a rant together about this. You know, like just commiserating about about the status, about how hard it is to get loans. Uh, house loans, business loans um, uh, for for African Americans. Um, how the system seems closed because it's in in, in any society you're going to see see that it works this way that you have old established families in power. You have people that are know each other that will give you a job because you're, you know, you're, oh, you're, you're buddy's boy, you know, like, I know, I know, buddy, buddy's a good guy, you're buddy's boy, I'll give you a job, you know, and, and it's not that it's necessarily uncommon to, to any society but our own, the big issue here is that we're a society based off of the concept of equality, we're a society that has prided ourselves on this, you know, um, uh, every, every every man's created equal concept and that we have a big mixture of people like i mean you go to sweden and i'm pretty sure they're pretty much just all white people you know i mean I'm, there's you know i'm sure every once in a while america is a a, a melting pot uh, so to speak com- yeah compared to some other countries yeah mm-hmm. and so you'll find issues like that are, are more more divisive because here, here it's not just that, uh, you know, oh, Billy Bob's son got the job. It's, well, Billy Bob's son got the job, and I'm, I'll never get the job because I don't look like Billy Bob. Right. And it, it is an issue. Why is that? I think it's a problem that that's even a thing that they would think, though. That if they were allowed to think that Billy Bob's got the job just because he's – Person they, X got that shouldn't the job be the, the, because of nepotism. There's something else broken that that's the what the the conclusion they come to though. They've been told that they can't. Yeah. Oh yeah yeah yeah. No, I track you there. I track you there. Instead of being told that they can, they've been told that they can't. Right. Yeah. Even like, in, they join a gang, like in some cities, you know, because they think that's what they got to do. Yeah. Or whatever. There's no other option in their yeah. mind. Right. People, I mean, aside from aside from uh, teenagers trying to get a thrill, people don't just steal because they think it's the best way to or people don't just steal because they want to. They think it they think it's the best just way. Just like you went to college cuz you were told exactly. that's what you're supposed to do. Right. Exactly. The culture kind of shapes that decision making for you. Exactly. 
And, you know, I, I, I enjoyed college. I, I'm really glad. I probably would have gotten an IT degree, um, knowing what I know now. But at the same time, at the same time, you know, I did enjoy my English degree. Um, it's not making me much money, <laughs> um, except for maybe in communications you to customers. You need to write that novel and get rich. I know. Write I those know. episode descriptions. I know, right? Or maybe just edit, edit um, my fiance's work whenever she finally decides to get a get a book published, and, and that way she'll make the money. You know? Yes. And I'll stay at home and be a kept husband. <laughs> It'll be so great. I'll just I'll just work on projects on the house all day long and <laughs> yeah, yeah, install install all kinds of home automation devices in the house. You know. Hey, listen, man. Like, no joke. Right now, um, I can tell. I can't say your name, but the Amazon device. You know the one. Hal Hal Nine Thousand. Yeah, she'll listen. <laughs> she'll she'll know I'm listening. Um, I can tell her to control my thermostat. Uh, by the end of the week, I'll have some lights in. Um, oh, we actually, we actually uh, tested a, a, a pro. A, they call it a routine in in the device, the Amazon device. Um, <laughs> um, and what you can do is you can you can collect uh, different features from different devices that are controlled by the Amazon device. And have them with the single trigger phrase. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of that. In this in this occasion, we had multiple lights um, and Sonus devices that were set to play music and grouped together, and it was called "Get the Party Started." <laughs> and it and it turned all the lights to thirty percent and turned on um, the Sonus devices, grouped them together to a uh, rock station. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so you just you just said, um, "Hey." Amazon, Amazon device. device. Uh, get the party started, and everything just starts switching lights and everything around the house. It was it, it's wonderful. That's awesome. And you could totally troll people and like set the word like "Happy Birthday" uh, to, and it just like like yeah, terrible actually, stuff all over your house. That would be pretty. <laughs> uh, like um, I don't know. Like there are a lot of possibilities with this stuff. I really want to get some some color changing lights, and that'll yeah. really make the party go wild um you know the sad thing is is that i i i, I told my fiance um, oh yeah i'm gonna install some of these you know light switches and um she, i said where would be a good place to put them and in the back of the house i've got this this pavilion type thing that um the previous homeowner who was a, a lineman for the for the city um installed and he kind of set up a, a breaker panel out there instead of doing actual switches and uh in the breaker panel um i mean that's all you got you got breakers and so the first thing she said was oh you know it'd be great if we could get the lights on this on the outside of that pavilion set up to work with z-wave and i just like i was like oh of course you'd ask for the difficult thing because <laughs> <laughs> i've i've i'll have <laughs> I was, I'll have to go out there and put in some uh, some boxes and some switches and stuff like that. Um, but then you can they can tell the Amazon device to turn on the outside lights and those those lights will come on and it'll be easier when walking the dogs and stuff like that. Right. So yeah, cool. so even as I talk about these social justice issues, you can tell that uh, that most of my problems are are first world and <laughs> nature. Um. Right, but, you know, and I, I say this with um, 
with the knowledge that I, I do not do enough for social change myself. But, um, you know, people like us that do have, as you mentioned, first world problems and don't, haven't actually lived the lives of some of the people that are persecuted from the justice system, um, you know, it's up to people like us. We have the responsibility to speak up and to help, um, help bring about a change because we have more means than some other people do and people have yeah. more means than we do. And so, you know, getting the message out there, donating, you know, anything we can do to help, um, help bring about a change, you know, it's, it's up to us, it's up to people like us who have whatever means we have to, to help however we can. Yeah. It's true. Um, yeah, I remember they, they, in school, I think they said that if you like owned a car or owned more than one car, I can't remember what it was, mm-hmm. but you were in like the top, considered in like the top three percentile in the whole world. Like, yeah. because compared to the whole world, yeah. yeah, most people don't have a car. Right. Yeah, that's That's crazy. true. That's true. I mean, as I look around the house, you know, I've got a Keurig, um, uh, actually, that was a gift, and so was the Roomba I was going to list. <laughs> well, well, there you go. There's my privilege. Like, I, I, I come from a family that's that's fairly, well, my mother is fairly well off, you know, and um, can buy nice things. And um, at the same time, you know, like, it, it's it's wild when you look at you look at the end of the month, the money that's left over, and, you, you know, there's not, it's not like you're just, you're sitting over here sitting on a gold mine, but, um, yeah. As I think, as I think happens with anybody, you expand to fit the boundaries you set for yourself. Mm-hmm. And so maybe, maybe the lesson we should take from that is that, that we need to set our boundaries tighter so that we will have more leeway. Well, I imagine if you could go back and talk to like our grandmother's generation and stuff, they would say that like half the stuff that we have and hold the value is pointless. Yeah. Compared to what they had when they grew up, you know. It's very true. Yeah. But anyway, guys, um, I think that I don't know. Do we ever come to a conclusion about anything? Uh, do we ever? <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing was, is like, is I was just about to say that. I was like, <laughs> I was like, well, do we ever? Um, no, I mean, we brought up some some issues. We we ranted. Uh, John Locke was condemned to the void. <laughs> this is season two, guys. <laughs> Episode one of season two. Thank you to our guest. Um, yeah, no problem. Cody Thompson. His podcast is a podcast that time forgot. It's a, a wonderful um, media oriented podcast. Pop culture. Pop culture. Yeah, check them uh, out, guys. They are great and they are moving on up. So get on, jump on the bandwagon. About to have some merch come out. So oh, yeah. they're um, they're fifty nine on the on the Stitcher up and coming podcast. Yeah. Uh, as of like, it was like the listing for like two weeks ago or last week. I can't remember. I think it changes per week. Yeah. So, um, and they're funny guys. It's it's always it's always a good and enjoyable ride with the podcast that time forgot. <laughs> Maybe that should be your new motto. It's always an enjoyable ride. Yeah. It doesn't really roll off the tongue. Um, <laughs> I'll keep Maybe. I'll keep I'll keep working on that one. I'll keep yeah. working on that one. Come up with the jingle. Workshop that, yeah. That's the jingle. It's uh, it needs words though. Maybe you can provide the words. Well, speaking of jingle, are we going to continue the tradition of how we end the show each week? 
<laughs> you looked away because you know what it is. Um, you've never sang before, so you got to do something. No. No. You can't no. think. You got to think, think of something. Um. Um. Crap. Hold on. There was something I was listening to the other day. I know the theme song to Married with Children. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's theme do it. songs. You. Would well, you know the one to marry with children? I don't think I do. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. Well, Cody, I'll do it. You guys Maybe. go. You sure? Yeah. I'll Three. cut you off when I feel like it's appropriate. Two. One. Love and marriage. Love and marriage. Goes together like a horse and carriage. This I tell you, brother. You can't have one without me. Prison. <laughs> <laughs>